Hi, welcome to Rockle and Russell's YouTube review. Each week we'll be setting each other challenges uh, on YouTube and finding videos for hopefully your entertainment. Hope you enjoy this current episode. Episode 12, Mark. Sporting moments we're going with this week. I better tell you, we've got over 600 listens now, Mark. Can you imagine that? 600. Yeah, mad, isn't it? Yeah, yeah that is. Because, you know, joking aside, I can only sort of name a very small portion of who those people must be. So there is a lot of strangers out there listening to us. Like I said, we got to, during the week to you, we have three continents to go and we've done the set. So if we do a special on snow or something, we've got the two poles out of the way. And I think South America, we had an Australian viewer this week. So hello to all our fans in Australia. Um, so I better uh, tell you, we have this week a good friend of mine, Daniel Boyce. Boyce is with us and he's going to talk through a couple of his favourite sporting moments. And uh, we'll go from there. How are you, Boyce? Very well. Thank you, Russell. Thank you for having me on. It's a pleasure. I've been listening to your podcast from the start. And um, yeah, it's very nice to be invited on. Love it. Thank you very much. <laughs> it just makes me want to laugh. Someone saying that they've listened to us from the start. No, well, that, how bad's that first episode, though? I worry that people listen to that and then think it's all going to be like that. It sounds like I'm in a toilet or something. No, not at all. No, I thought I thought I'd listen to the first one out of sort of a, a favour, and I'm 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 a I'm a fan now. I feel like I feel like the kid that won the sort of you know the sort of the club make a wish to, to, to join in. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> take a penalty at half time or something to join in. Yeah, so, I'm going to make something. this very clear that this this isn't a make a wish, boysy. You're okay. Don't worry about it. Um. So yeah, if you want to follow us on Twitter, it's Rockle Russell One. If you want to follow us on Instagram, Rockle and Russell Pod. Big shout out to Paddy Boylan. Either of you to see that this week on my Twitter or on the iTunes rating system? No. No, excellent. No, well, Paddy that... Boylan is a, a student I used to teach. His real name is Matthew Boylan, and he plays in goal for Lincoln City's youth team. And anyone, either of you want to guess why his nickname is Paddy? Uh, what, does he look like Paddy Kenny? His hero is Paddy Kenny. Right. <laughs> so, yeah, of all the goalkeepers to choose from, he was a massive QPR fan, and his favourite goalkeeper was Paddy Kenny. And he's now called... Paddy uh, Paddy Boylan. So thank you for giving us some feedback, uh, Paddy. That's absolute pleasure. And like I said to you on Twitter, you don't have to call me sir anymore. So that must be quite nice of you. So Boise, I spoke to you, well, we set up a little WhatsApp group, didn't we? You spoke during the week about favourite sporting moments. What did you kind of base your <laughs> two picks on? So I went with kind of just moments that, I, that have sort of stuck with me over time. So my my ones aren't necessarily my favourite sporting moments. Mm. Um but they're just ones that I just sort of look back over, you know, over the years. What what now can I still remember quite clearly? Um, even though I think my both of mine actually are from a long time ago, sort of in the 90, late 90s. So, yeah, they've obviously stuck with me for, for that long. So that's uh, that, that's kind of where I went with it. Because you're quite sporty yourself, aren't you? Well, I remember at our school days, you were very good at football and uh, part of our sixth form team when you were in the fifth year, weren't you? So, you know, always been quite yeah. sporty, haven't you? Uh, yeah, well, I think I think like a lot of people, yeah, love playing football and everything. When I was younger, I think I was part of the um, the Monksmore battle of. Uh, can you remember that football match where we just uh, there was about five red cards and. Oh yeah, that uh, was terrible, so, wasn't it? Yeah, well, we had a proper like, referee who, if you swore at him or swore in general, he would send you off the pitch, and we got five players sent off. It became yeah, a bit of a joke yeah. by the end of it, didn't it? We had a goal that, that went in through the side netting and terrible. It's funny you so, remember those school school football matches, isn't it? Like Mark, you weren't such, such a big footballer in those days, were you? No, I, I, when I when I started at secondary school, I hadn't really kind of got the bug properly by then. I, I only ended up persevering because everyone else did, and that was the kind of that was the social 
element of it yeah. and then I ended up kind of falling for it then and getting and getting involved but started a bit late so never really caught up so my uh, my le- my ability level was always a couple of years off Are you I might have never told you this Mark or I might have told you this but you're one of the reasons I actually gave up football when I was 23 24 years old I hope, I hope it's going <laughs> to be for a positive reason yeah. um we were playing uh, for I was playing sorry for Wellington City Reserves and I uh, had a terrible first half and at half time the manager AD Winters uh, shouted at me for 15 minutes of the 15 minutes, basically just having a go at me. And I was kind of like, well, just sub me then. But obviously, reserve team football, we didn't have many subs or any subs. Uh, and I went back out onto the pitch and you were having fun in the stands with another friend, Ross Phillips, Have both had a pint on you, both having a laugh. I just thought, <laughs> why am I doing this? Why am I up there with them two? And that was my last game, I think. Wow. Well, there you go. <laughs> so it wasn't your fault, you, per se. Did you sort of sign off with a headbutt or a, a kung fu kick in the crowd? And then just no, I, I started talking to, talking to my wife earlier and I only ever got booked once for not like back chat, basically. Uh, I had a shot and it went wide and I ran and got the ball and ran it over. And it, sorry, it got deflection. I ran and got the ball and then went over to the corner flag with the ball to take the corner. And the referee had given a goal kick and I said, oh, that's rubbish. And I went to kick it back to the goalkeeper and just shanked it <laughs> behind the goal and he booked me for kicking the ball away. I thought, oh, that's actually going to cost me, I think it was 13 quid for just being shit at football. <laughs> it wasn't actually... Uh, but uh, you played in uni, didn't you, Mark, football-wise? Yeah, again, that was that was the like the, inter, like the intramural stuff where you just put your own team together and then enter into another league with a load of other teams that have done the same. So not, not the competitive one. Um, we had a few decent players, but the facility. Oh, you, you, but you were there. You've seen the pitch. Yeah, that was it. I think half the pitch was in a wooded area, wasn't it? Yeah. It <laughs> if was. the ball went off on one side of the pitch, it was like a good five minutes down the hill and back. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you really had to get a move on to catch it before it kind of gathered <laughs> momentum and really got away from you. But yeah, the, yeah, there was, there was, I reckon. There was three or four players that even in those conditions that I sort of played with at uni there that, that were like really, really good. Like even on that surface, they ended up putting a good shift in. And I just remember thinking, God, I wonder what they're like on a flat pitch. But it's funny at uni because you kind of, you go to university and you you know friends from that you've left behind at home who were the good players. And you kind of just don't think that people that you meet from all over the country will have those same groups where you'll have the good yeah. players and the good players and you end up kind of seeing people that you think wow they're they're pretty good mm. um, and then you find out down the line oh he he was you know he was a schoolboy at Leeds he was this he was that he was the other yeah, so probably at that age you probably get the players so when you're like 12 13 you play with players who you know they're really good that you know they've got a chance of making it but about 14 15 they kind of leave and you know if, if they're really good they go and play for you know an academy or, or whatever yeah. so all, all the people left over you know start drinking at that sort of age so the, the, <laughs> the football the, the football quality goes from focusing yeah. on winning the match to you know turning up sort of tired and hung over or that but i guess mm. when you're back in your 20s a lot of people don't make it and you get those proper quality players back mm. and you can kind of marvel at them i remember doing like, their six, thing. like six form football most of the really good players in our year group didn't get into the sixth form. So like the team, yeah, exactly, but that exactly. was the same for every other school. So from I went from like a four out of 10 to maybe a six. I felt very good about it. <laughs> yeah. That was probably my, I reckon sixth form was the period of time where I enjoyed playing football the most. Mm. So you're with, you're with your group of mates. It's still fun. 
without being sort of too over the top. So there's no kind of training or yeah, <laughs> stuff God. like that I to speak of. And I, um, I, th- I kind of found myself a little bit by then. I'd realised that there wasn't too many other people that would head the ball from the opposition's goalkeeper's kick. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I started finding things that I was willing to do that mm-hmm. others weren't that, that gave me a spot in the team and, and you know certain sort of going into like hard tackles maybe like one or two other people weren't too fussed and I was like I don't mind getting a, like kicked and all of a sudden I found myself um, in the team regularly to the extent that I got uh, I got a most improved player award I think in the first or second year of sixth form and then as, as I walked back from picking it up all proud I walked past Lewis and he just went Congratulations on your not as shit as you used to be. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, because uh, club man is the one not to win, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Most improved player you can deal with. Don't remember you playing outside of school, boy, boy. Did you play for any Sunday teams, Saturday teams? Yeah, I played for um, Welling Eagles. Welling Eagles, mate. Welling Eagles, Under yeah. the tutorage of Mick Ottaway and the Green Buff. He's famous, that bloke. I was never involved in that schoolboy football, but I know who Mick Ottaway is. He tried to poach me from Pangzanger Yellows when I was like 12 by offering me a McDonald's if I signed for Willing Eagles. That actually happened. Yeah. Well, that's, <laughs> yeah. that's how I know him because people used to say that he'd, he'd, when the time of year was right, he'd go around knocking on doors and like um, saying, Can I play for us. And I, I, that's the only reason I know that name is because people I knew who did play football said, oh, he was he was around last night trying to <laughs> get me to play. Yeah, <laughs> he, 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 he was a bit of a legend. I mean, he... Yeah, you know, he drives everyone around. You know, it must be quite hard work running a football team, to be honest. And yeah, he used to buy some McDonald's if, we, if there was a big match, you know, and we'd win, he'd take us all to McDonald's. So yeah, he was a top bloke. I don't know if he's still knocking around Willing Garden, but well, I hope he is. Uh, like, uh, I remember we played in a Cub, Cubs uh, five a side tournament. I think one of the other Cubs was in New Mick somehow. Mick ran that team. And we were like probably eight years old. And he told us at one, during one game, now you know, lads, that football is about winning and not enjoying yourself. <laughs> 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 that is the, the temperament of the man. But yeah, he was a lovely bloke. He used to always challenge Tristan. You remember Tristan Anthony? Oh, yeah, yeah. He used, he used to always, I, I don't know if you know him, Mark, sort of in yeah, my Yeah, he's year, a sprinter, before. wasn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Super, like, World you know, famous super, in well in Tristan Anthony, actually, yeah. Actually, yeah. you know, super fast. And he just used to always say, I'm quicker than Tristan over 20 yards or something. I think I think we made him do it. And uh, yeah, I think it was a classic one where he pulled a hammy or something. But, was, he, um, <laughs> was, he, was he kind of claiming that he had that, um, mythical like Jeff Capes quick like burst pace. speed that yeah yeah about. Jeff, Jeff Capes would, would beat any 100 metre sprinter over the first few yeah. laps the other thing Mick Ossoway used to teach us like you know as young kids you teach us how to head the ball so he'd say imagine you're reading the newspaper and it's like that makes you angry and you headbutt the newspaper <laughs> imagine headbutting the newspaper because the headline was so so annoying yeah. to you he's been kicked um, out of no. 12 doctor's surgeries for that yeah. <laughs> no and a long way towards Tony Adams. Oh, Campbell. <laughs> it's Campbell who's finally got the touch. He's disallowed it, He's Brian. disallowed it. Campbell came away as though he'd scored it. Adams came away as though he'd got a touch. And Adams now inquiring of the Danish referee why it was disallowed. Well, Shearer jumped up with the keeper. I think he hit Campbell in the end, on the face, not on the hand. And he went in the net. I couldn't see anything wrong with it. Right, Boise, that's your first choice of a famous sporting moment. Why have you picked Sol Campbell's disallowed goal against Argentina in the 98 World Cup? Yeah, so as I mentioned earlier, this, this is just a, a, a moment that forever kind of lives with me for the, the kind of the highs and the lows. Um, I, think, I think it's at that age where 98, I was kind of 15, maybe 16, and um, football was 
football was everything. The World Cup was kind of everything. It was it was kind of a completely crazy game. I think it was one all really early on. Michael Owen scored a wonder goal. Beckham red card. Just an amazing amazing game. And Sol Campbell scored late on with this header. He was I think he's I think pretty sure he's still a Spurs player at this time. So it was just it was just a yeah. you know combining of everything. You know Kids last bit. minute goal. Sol Campbell. England going through amazing. And then obviously it's disallowed. So the highs and the lows. And you know something I remember going from the kind of watching Sol Campbell um, the ecstasy on his face a bit like um, who's that Italian guy is it Tard- Tardelli who, who, who just oh, yeah. you know just, yeah. just just goes for it you know the emotion comes over and you know you watch it on the TV amazing times and then all of a sudden it just cuts to um, Argentina attacking and it's just it's just you know this sort of you just don't know what's going on you know we, we've just scored we're going through and then all of a sudden it was it was Argentina three on two um attacking yeah. the other end and you, you, you know you didn't know if it was like a mix-up with the tv or something and then the commentators are going mad and you know Argentina going up the other end to score so it was just the the highs and then the crushing lows yeah that, you know in that so moment we've mentioned that commentary as well Mark on a previous podcast with the kick quickly Kevin will he score isn't it it's yeah. that game and yeah like you say just like almost like a perfect advert for a game of football wasn't it a, a one or is mm. it one or two all draw two all yeah finish two all yeah two all draw yeah. and then a golden goal were you a fan of a golden goal this one went to this one went to penalties didn't it this was yeah, um... this tournament had golden goals didn't it oh sorry I'm with you yeah sorry I'm with you I I think I was a fan of Golden Goal, but didn't teams just start playing really defensively? Yeah, but it was, um, the idea was that if people would come out and attack it, it went the opposite way, didn't it? Mm, people were too scared of conceding. I, I probably liked the idea, but I can't remember any team that I've supported scoring a, a Golden Goal. So <laughs> no. it's probably, it's probably, it's probably, I mean, my memory is, it's a bad thing. Yeah. Um, was there such a thing as a silver goal as well? Yeah, I was just going to say that. Yeah. I, I wasn't sure if this was the one where that came... Because Golden Goal was Euro 96 first, wasn't it? Yeah. And then I thought that they changed it to silver for what the next... Well, silver, if you're 1-0 up at the first half of extra time, yeah. then you go through. So if you so, score one minute into the first half of extra time, the game doesn't end. You play out that half. And yeah. if you right. hold on to that lead, it, it's, it becomes a winner then. But yeah, I don't um, ever recall one of them come into fruition I don't remember um, a silver goal ever um, I couldn't name you a tournament it was used in or anything Um, so that was that 98 that was how many years ago 21 23 years ago 23 years ago shit that's bad isn't it Mm. Um, do you, yes. could you either of you remember the name of the ref? Kim Nielsen. <laughs> Rockall with two points. Yeah, Kim Kim Nielsen, wasn't it? I haven't written that down oh, actually. Right. I just I knew I remembered the name. Fans threatening to you know sort of letters yeah. sent to him and stuff because he because he sent off Beckham. Yeah, all sorts, wasn't it? And then they still burnt effigies of Beckham in the street and stuff. Just madness in it. Just, I yeah. think a lot of it now getting older. You realise a lot of it was papers, paper talk. You know. Here's a question then: Who made the kind of saving tackle to to end the attack that Argentina went on that caught England on the hop? Was it Lasso? Kind of kick the ball out. Oh. Was Lasso on the pitch at that point, or was it Merson? Merson came on late in the game. I know uh, that. Merson closer to the type of. Um, I think it was Anderson, like, wasn't it? It had, like I said, everything that game, and then. You know, unfortunately, that is a foul on the keeper, isn't it, Mashira? Yeah, it's funny. It shows us a sign of the times, though, doesn't it? Because the um, the like the, the commentators then, like the commentators now, would be going, "Oh, actually, yeah, he's got mm. his arm in front of him." Whereas that they that like then um, were just saying, "There's nothing wrong with that." Yeah. 
I remember Danny Baker saying a foul on the goalkeeper is like walking, almost walking past the car with a really twitchy alarm kind of code. <laughs> so like anyone can set it off at any time. It's, yeah. you know, and it's the alarm's going off and that's fine. But um, yeah, um, uh, yeah, when you mentioned uh, Tardelli there, Boise, remind me of uh, a story of you, Rockle. This is how also how it works. Well, I hear something that reminds me of a Rockle story. Uh, Rockle, you asked an Italian gentleman what Tardelli yeah. was saying in that celebration. Can yeah. you remember the story of that? Yeah, so I was at a football match that was, there was a few, it was a work shindig. So there was a few English people there, a few Chinese, and then a few Germans and Italians. And it was it was the Germany v Italy game in the Euros. So I, <clears throat> I really like that Tardelli goal and the celebration. So I asked an Italian like, oh, what was what was Tardelli saying? And as and he completely got the wrong end of the stick. Was obviously thinking about a more recent event, which was Matarazzi uh, goading Zidane to instigate the Zidane's headbutt. <laughs> I was expecting this guy to respond along the lines of like some big um, euphoric exclamation of love and joy of Tardelli. <laughs> this bloke said, "Yes, yeah, he was saying your your, your mum's a whore." <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> that's a weird thing to say. Yeah, so uh, I remember that uh, Paul Merson saying about that uh, England Argentina game where before his penalty, you know, Paul Merson being as scatty as he was, Glenn Hoddle, Hoddle came over to him and said, You will not miss. And he just took the ball and went, oh, thank God for that. And he goes, if everyone was as scatty as me, we would have won that World Cup. I remember he saying about David Batty after the game, everyone was upset and Batty was just there packing his bag, putting his boots away kind of thing. Like, yeah. They just There's say that's... a lot of stuff about David Batty since he retired that he just wasn't like everyone else. He wasn't your classic sportsman, was he? Yeah, like Paul Scholes just loved going home. They said after after games like, or after training, where everyone else would be planning to go out. I quite like at the time. I think those people are boring, and now I quite admire it. <laughs> yeah, that's mm. um, it's hard to think now. That that's happened to Sol Campbell twice, though, isn't it? That happened to him in Euro oh, two thousand and four, uh, Portugal, Portugal game. Yeah, yeah. John Terry, yeah, foul, John Terry foul that ruled out a Campbell goal. You're right. Yeah, both both were probably fouls, weren't they? But yeah, neither, neither were kind of Sol Campbell's fault, if you know what I mean. No, so he's yeah twice he's had that kind of moment snatched away from him. Yeah, that, it could have been two oh. proper proper England moments over the years, and then yeah. You know, sort of. And also, Sol Campbell scored like probably the most I've ever celebrated an Arsenal goal, and then never watched again. I was going to mention actually because I would like to put this in our um, on our website the. Uh, Michael Owen video of him playing football against the 13-year-old with Neville Southall helping. Have you ever seen that? Yes, I have seen that, yes. (laughs) (laughs) He's shooting properly, like he's he's shooting against Schmeichel or something. And celebrating. (laughs) (laughs) And he's going, oh, you lucky, lucky man. And Neville, I think the video is actually called, well done, he's 13. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, just like he's probably trying to take him on and chip him and like long-range shots. You're in England International and this kid's 13. Yeah, it's brilliant, yeah. absolutely brilliant video. Just absolutely clueless. Even when Neville Southall has a bit of a go at him, he's still like trying his very, very best <laughs> in the Stoke Stadium in a grey kit. It's have you ever been to a game with crowd trouble, Boise? I think so. No. And like, no have you? I don't know. I've seen quite a few. I remember Arsenal Spurs games, like semi finals. I remember there was like a siege down a street. It was like Braveheart, then coming over a hill and we were just stood, stood there nowhere to go kind of thing and it was, it's more scary than anything obviously people who want to attack you but also people that are escaping as well and I was yeah. I was terrified I hated it but the worst trouble I saw was at Stevenage match Stevenage Kettering 
about 20 Kettering fans decided they're going to just come into the Stevenage end and clear the stand and then like take ownership of it. And then we, because I think I was only like 13 or 14, had to get onto the pitch to avoid it. And I couldn't get over the wall because of other people getting over the wall as well. And I, I thought I was going to die in that moment. I was really, really scared. I hated it. I think, well, those things just, no one thinks of children in that in those kind of situations, do they? <laughs> no, that's all I think no, about. No, they, no, no, they don't. No, it's mad. It's, it is mad. Because like you said, they don't think of children when they're doing that. But if, if they decided for themselves that someone else had put a child at risk, they'd be saying, string them up. You know, they're, they're hurting <laughs> kids. I think you, you, you do it every weekend. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, we've got, uh, we've, at least we stayed on the topic of football there throughout that. That was good. Yeah. Um, good. When you mentioned Matarazzi earlier, so I went on a tour of... Uh, with a school I used to work at in Wellington City and uh, we went to it- it- Italy into Milan and then we played Inter Milan's feeder club so I um, popped into the bar and I recognised Marco Maharazzi at the bar and I thought oh my goodness this is amazing like his son must be playing for him so later I told my other mate like oh Marco Maharazzi's in the bar and he stood behind him pretending to headbutt him like while I took a photo and it <laughs> turned out about 10 minutes later that it was Francesco Toldo <laughs> At that moment, I thought, oh, this is so embarrassing. I'm just so glad he didn't go through with it. Because if you were Francesco Toldo, you turn around and see the person, an English man, pretending to yeah. butt you, you'd be thinking, oh, did, I can't remember how I got on in that Norwich game that they lost. <laughs> <laughs> or he, might, he might not think it is someone pretending. It's actually just someone just coming yeah. up at four in the afternoon, Brits abroad. Yeah, with a with 28, um, 2013-year-olds surrounding them. Four minutes for the century. Amazing. Right, this is the key shot. Needs a good angle on this red to get on the black. He's got it just. 113. Oh, slow down, White. Slow down, White. One hundred and twenty two. One hundred and twenty five. One hundred and twenty nine. Perfect. Yes, absolutely perfect. One hundred and thirty four. I don't believe this. Maximum break, that is. Ronnie O'Sullivan's delighted. The crowd's delighted. John Virgo, and I'm delighted. Five minutes for one. Unbelievable maximum break. The players are over from the other side of the screen. Sensational. Everyone has just gone berserk here. It's a new one, snooker on a podcast. Um, <laughs> uh, Mark, so you chose that clip. Ronnie O'Sullivan is fastest 147 there. Why have we gone with that? Yeah. 
it ticked the box, like like Boise said, of of just something that just stuck with me. And I think sometimes these don't have to be your favourite things. And I think if you kind of go out of your comfort zone to a sport that's not necessarily your sport, it kind of proves the point that it's something that just sticks with you. So mm. I just remember not believing, really, really just not believing it, because I think we've all played snooker on a full size table at a relatively young age around the time that would have happened. And it is impossible <laughs> it's stupidly hard isn't it even like yeah, just to reach to play shots you could make the case for a lot of sports but snooker's definitely up there with one of those ones where if like uh everyday joe was put against the best you'd be like yeah. so far out of your depth like a lot of times people say in, in on like a football pitch you could get plonked down and do the the best thing that you're capable of in a split second moment on a football pitch and it wouldn't be out of place in a professional game like like an otg goal yeah how dare you how dare you uh, did that weekly (laughs) but um you just you you wouldn't get near someone like that and uh i don't know i mean i should have i should have maybe done my research i don't know what the second fast uh not sorry the second fastest is probably o'sullivan again um other than o'sullivan i don't know what the closest is that anybody else has got to that and my limited knowledge of snooker i don't believe there's anyone past or present who's capable of doing that in that time that yeah because like one four sevens you don't hear of it's not like a nine darter in darts where they're kind of re- quite regular now aren't they where mm. a one four seven in snooker is pretty much ronnie o'sullivan or no one isn't it yeah and i think the, the televised is the big mm. checkbox in snooker isn't it when when they're when they're televised it kind of gets that extra extra gravitas but um i just think it's uh yeah a, a real feat in in what was it five minutes and um yeah five minutes 49 i think Yes, there's there's a really good YouTube video that someone's made of a split screen of him getting that split. split Oh, yeah. Peter making like 15 or something at the same same time frame. Yeah, just a little extra shout. I've not not, um, watched the clip that far before. The last crowd scene before the clip rounds up then looks like a crowd out of bullseye. (laughs) (laughs) There's a mixture of ages and gender, isn't there? Because there's an old lady in that, a yellow jacket that stands up a little bit too late, doesn't she? <laughs> he was asleep and someone woke her up. Yeah, I love the fact he throws his chalk into the crowd. Like, yeah. <laughs> like that's a big memento. But, what, um, what, what was the, what was the thing at the end where he was sort of um, celebrating by pretending to chalk it? Was it just that he was no? Chalking? He, he throws his chalk into the crowd and he wants another bit of chalk. Ah, yeah. gotcha, gotcha. Oh, I thought it was, I thought it was some sort of like cool celebration. I was like, what, that <laughs> but that's his one four seven celebration. I was going to start doing doing it next time I play sneaker and pop one ball. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, don't forget to put my one up. That's the yeah. uh, my catchphrase in snooker. Are you a yeah. snooker fan at all, Boise? I, I think um, when I was young, when I was a kid, and you'd have quite a lot of spare time, I used to love watching snooker because um, you know you, you get into it and you can sit there for hours and hours and hours and, and watch the frames and and yeah, get complete completely absorbed. Um, I don't think I've watched it for twenty for twenty years or something. Um, but yeah, as, as you were saying, like, you know, you'd love it. And a, a bit like wanting to play tennis after Wimbledon, after, after watching yeah. the World um, Championships, you're like, right, let's go and find a, a snooker uh, hole. And yeah, after about 20 minutes, it's like, oh, right. And then after about 40 minutes, it's like, oh, my God, can someone pot a ball? They're just all, they're just all <laughs> on the cushions. <laughs> yeah, when, you, when you've paid for the lights for an hour and you're like yeah. still got about six or seven reds left and like yeah. you think, oh, should we bother? Oh, 20 I'm minutes, like... there's just a, green, a, a blue, pink and black on the ball. It's like, can someone just, can someone <laughs> yeah. just pot the ball so we can start again? <laughs> this is, this is getting yeah, serious. you need snookers, but to be fair, like it, without a ball in the way, you still still might <laughs> give away another yeah. seven or something. I worked in a snooker club when I moved after I moved to Reading while I was still trying to sort of, you know, needed to find him work. And because I had the oak 
on my CV. Yeah. All the work that was come my work my way was sort of you know bar and restaurant work, and then I you said you're handy at <laughs> hitting people with snooker cues. But it's weird. Like I didn't I didn't get the same as as Boise just said. Then snooker is one of them things I've always really liked watching. It never gave me the urge to play it. I just really really enjoyed watching it. And um, when I was at Riley's, I, I I very rarely sort of grabbed hold of a cue and just went down and knocked balls around while I was sort of you know on a lunch break or before or after shifts or anything. So it just didn't interest. Uh, Giblin, it won't surprise you to know that I spent more of my time cleaning the tables yeah bottling up so the label's in the right place yeah and um, <laughs> uh, remarking and cleaning the tables so drawing the white lines back on uh, that had started to fade and and cleaning the tables and making them as pristine as I possibly could and then like I'd be asked, <laughs> someone else can play on it yeah it's like some 13 year old comes on and just puts a can of coke on the table straight oh, away <laughs> I see Rock will getting a little bit red there <laughs> thought of it yeah I've, I've tried playing snooker i've never been any good at it i'm not very good at pool and i've got a pool table now like a proper one but i'm still not very good at it i liked uh, watching big break was probably my favorite thing about oh, snooker yes. and then i've watched a lot of trick shot kind of competitions and stuff i quite like that but to sit through i couldn't sit through a frame of snooker i don't think i, I think it's like watching people fish i think it's terrible but you've been you, when you were in sheffield mark you've been to see uh, went to the crucible haven't you uh, no I, I never actually went to watch because I, I didn't spend my money on things like that uh, this reminded another that reminds me of a mark story Weren't you asked for an autograph? Yeah, so I worked in, the pub I worked in was right next door to the Crucible. So we used to mess around and uh, go in that pub quite a bit. Some of the players would come in there and I was walking past the Crucible after leaving the pub one night. Someone asked, someone shouted out like, is always is Ronnie still in there? Like it was like a kid or, or autograph hunting, I think. Is Ronnie still in there? And you heard a few people shout and stuff. And uh, I looked around, I think I was with my brother actually. I think he might have come to visit me. And I looked at him and kind of smiled like, oh, they're waiting for Ronnie. And some kid saw me look around and smile as I walked off. And he shouted after me, oh, sorry, Mark, but I just, I just want to meet Ronnie. But because my name's Mark, I didn't think, <laughs> it was weird. I carried on walking. I was thinking, hang on a minute. Why is he? How does he know my name? And then my brother, I think, said he, he thinks you're Mark King. It could have been a lot worse. Could have thought you were yeah. like you could have so, said Marco. You're Marco Fu. Yeah. Sorry about that, mate. So, yeah, I, I actually didn't get asked for an autograph. I got I got purposely not asked for an autograph. <laughs> <laughs> I love it if he, I love it if he did, and you'd actually written Mark and then Rock Hold. Just like looking at you, like what's going on? Is that a middle name? Did Probably. you watch any of the one four seven refusals? I did because you sent them to me on YouTube. Yeah, I watched yeah. a couple. I think that's almost disgraceful that <laughs> the money doesn't mean that much to him. Yet online, he's selling like a white ball signed by him for five hundred quid. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> so he's happy to not make money himself, but he's happy to make money off fans. You know. It's, it's, he is a, so, so, yeah. so this this is where Ronnie purposefully didn't get a one four seven. Oh yeah, he he asked uh, one on one of them. He asked how much the uh, prize money is for a one four seven, and the referee goes and finds out for him, and then comes back and Ronnie O'Sullivan's like, "Well, that's not enough," and then purposely pots a pink instead of a yeah. black. Like I just he don't has, get he it. He's done it more than once. There's there's the time where he pots a pink, so he actually sabotages it and then does the rest red black red black all the way and ends on a one four six. And then there's another one where he goes all the way to the black and then walks off when, yeah. when he's when he's got that last black to pot. He walks off and says he's not going to pot it. And the ref and the other player actually say no, come on, look, do it for the fans. Like the fans want to see a one four seven, so they sort of force him to pot it. But I get the impression from the YouTube clips I've seen that there've been a few where he's yeah. Uh, 
where he's either left the black and walked off and refused to pot it or potted a pink on purpose to, which is just mad when you think of how many, like, like you said, how many of those 147s have happened in history and you think that like, it's turned down as many as other people have got. I, I, yeah, I was just thinking about other sportsmen that have um, purposefully sort of tink, like sort of um, used, used the sport in a way to the rules to get more money. And the, um, can you remember the pole vaulter called Sergei Bubka? Yeah, oh, yeah. He had a great, great name. So he, he used to, I think, get, extra money for breaking a world record so he he just because he was so much better than everyone else a bit like ronnie yeah. he would just he would just wait wait and then when there was a big competition i don't necessarily think it had to be the olympics it might just be like a diamond league thing yeah and he'd be like yeah fine I'll, I'll, I'll break the world record tonight and then he'd break it by one centimeter and yeah. then he'd, he'd wait till the next diamond meet or you know whatever big thing he'd be like yeah i'll break it tonight as well and yeah. he'd just sort of gradually do it by one centimeter Imagine having that uh, much know, talent, though. It's, that's yeah. amazing. Yeah. And, and like, like most sports, you can't choose how much you break it by. You know, if you're a runner, you can't. You can't. Yeah. Well, Usain Bolt was quite similar, wasn't he? He only broke the world record in big events, didn't he? And then it looked like he was pulling up at times. Would you think yeah. he pulled out? Or do you reckon that's too difficult to do, mate? That that time that Usain Bolt got the record, well, one of the times he he actually slowed up, didn't he? Because I think yeah. it was like. He, he knew he'd won, so he sort of slowed down. Um, so yeah, just kind of like imagine what he would have if he tried. <laughs> imagine imagine <laughs> what that kid imagine what that kid could have could have become. Yeah. He could have he could have beaten Mick Ottaway. Jose Aldo, Conor McGregor, the most highly anticipated featherweight fight of all time. Here we go. Green trunks for the Southpaw, the notorious Conor McGregor. Black trunks for the champion. Jose Aldo Jr. Carter relaxed and smiling. Oh, oh no! He slept like that! Tony McGregor oh! is the new UFC featherweight champion of the world! Oh, unbelievable! The first punch he threw! Slept him! That was um, my choice there of uh, Conor McGregor's fight against Jose Aldo, which lasted, I think, 14 seconds in uh, total, which is the biggest um, moment I could think of at the time when you said, uh, think of sporting moments. I just thought of that one. I wasn't into UFC at all, but I, I was a massive Conor McGregor fan. Like I said, I just appreciate greatness. So I'd like to be, uh, and I'm such a big fan of Conor McGregor now that I can't watch his fights just in case he loses because I think it'd be, <laughs> I'd be annoyed by it. And that um, is uh, taken from the film Notorious, which is a fantastic piece of art and put well, really well put together. And I think that fight, I stayed up to kind of four in the morning to watch it. And then I was incredibly happy that it was over in 14 seconds. But um, he I'd probably both beat Jose Aldo probably a week and a half before or maybe a month before that fight all his talking and the way he did it and went about it he just broke him down so much mentally that Jose Aldo was in the ring thinking this is just the biggest moment of my life and there's no way I'm ready for this and Conor McGregor you can see in the video it's just so relaxed and ready to go and, and there's just no way in his face that he's losing that fight 
when you look at Jose Aldo, when he goes to the middle and talks to the referee, he's already done. He can't raise his head. And then he looks so stiff as he's kind of getting in warm for it. So I was never a big fan of fighting in general. And like UFC wise, you know, I was never into it in the uh, Chuck Liddell days, the Ken Shamrock days, you know, Tito Ortiz. But Conor McGregor, just the way he, he was funny and the way he joked about, I think so many people just want to be in now because of the amount of money he's made from a sport that wasn't anything really. And I just, I just appreciate everything about him. I think he's amazing. And I just, I just want him to quit now and go away. <laughs> Stop coming back and losing. But <laughs> I don't think he needs the money. I think I read something today that he might be buying Man United as part of a syndicate, <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's absolute madness. But I think, you, like Rocker, we speak about the title holders. I think yeah. he would be the most popular person in sport title holder for for a while, a few years ago. If you think from, I don't know, with Michael Jordan to, to totally Tiger Woods to LeBron James, I think Conor McGregor would almost get his his kind of name in the ring almost, you know? Yeah. What would, think, what would you think I with think, that, Mark? Yeah, the, the, the term that people use of kind of transcending the sport. He, yeah, he definitely. Did. So you, you, people people who don't follow the sport would have known who he was. He, so he'd, he'd, he'd definitely be in that conversation, I think, for for those few years. I lose track of the time a little bit. I mean, what were the what was the date of that fight? Um, that was 2017. 2017, and they they said at the start that he he announced in 2008 that he wanted to be world champion. Maybe, that, maybe it was yeah. a bit early. I think the film came out in 2017. The fight was probably a few years before that. Yeah, I was going to say that seemed too that yeah. seems too recent because it's only it's only. Um, like within the last year that he had the comeback fight that he lost, wasn't it? Yeah, and with the cowboy Cerrone is supposed to fight, wasn't it? And lost yeah. to Dustin Poirier. But yeah, I um I went for a few years of I wouldn't say following it. I went for a few years of watching it when I was at the Oak. There yeah. was quite a few on screen live, and off live, <laughs> live yeah live event um, that we would like watch on the on the big screen. And then there was um, X Factor style show, weren't there as well for a while? Oh, a tough years. enough. Yeah, that was really good. Where they, they'd have like two, to find like the a... red team and the blue team, and yeah. they'd, have, they'd have like a, a coach who was a Fire. Yeah, and there's some really, really good uh, compilations on YouTube of some of the fighters just getting really drunk and like trying to beat everyone up in the house, kind of thing. On uh, I'm sure it's called Tough Enough, but yeah. yeah, um, Judy Judy Brown. If you ever look up Judy Brown, he gets really drunk and then he loses a fight, and I think he's trying to get kicked off the show basically. So he just gets drunk and starts trying to fight people, smashing everything up and like weeing on people's beds and like, oh, he, he just an absolute nightmare. And then people will hate him, but they don't, obviously don't want to get kicked out of the show with him. I'll have to put that on our um, thing. Are you a big fan it of... Was a bit yes. like, um, oh, it was a bit like Flavour of Love, the Flavour Flav one. Yeah, <laughs> the same house <laughs> probably. The fighting. <laughs> It sounds like some of our stag dudes about 20, uh, 15 years ago. There's <laughs> <Yeah, laughs> um, Flavour of Love, Mark. Have you seen that clip of um, they're choosing, he's choosing who he wants to go through and one of them's having a shit in the background. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't know why uh, it comes to my mind. The bit, the bit I always think about in Flavour of Love that we talk about, it's actually something that's eluded me on YouTube. I'm sure it's on there, but it might be, I might have to sit through like a whole episode. Yeah. Either, is that bit when there was a load of women rowing and arguing and Flavor Flav comes out to be the peacemaker and shouts chill. But he's got his Viking helmet and his crotch. Yeah. Like the, 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 the worst peacemaker in the world. It just makes you, makes you look at him and think, what on earth? Boise, are you a UFC fan at all or a Conor McGregor fan? No, do you know, it's interesting because I, I I've never watched a UFC fight and Conor McGregor to me, he's obviously got, 
you know the magnetism that you want to listen to him uh, you know you hear him talk he's, he's amazing he's obviously an amazing fighter but I didn't know if he was you know a guy that you kind of wanted to win you know what I mean or, or whether you were just sort of interested in him you know a bit like I don't know Floyd Mayweather you, you know yeah. this guy's amazing but do you want Floyd Mayweather to win uh, mm-hmm. uh, I think he's at a sure. stage he's at a stage now you want him to lose I think Mayweather. yeah exactly but um I, I sort of had that I was going to ask you what you felt about Colin McGregor but after the three minutes sort of um sort yeah sorry of, about that <laughs> no no I loved it no I thought <laughs> we're going to start writing poetry about it but, um, no you you've obviously um obviously obviously do like him and you do want him to win yeah I think he's very Marmite though I don't but then oh, I don't, don't like saying people are Marmite either because I think if anyone says oh I'm a bit like Marmite then I 100% will hate that person straight away <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, I don't know anyone that dislikes Conor McGregor out of people I know, but I know full really? well my granddad okay. would think he was a prick. On the whole, there are exceptions to the rule. On the whole, I struggle with the overly confident, overly brash. Uh, I think it's why I struggle with fighting and, and boxing on the whole, because there's so many that are like mm. that. Um, so occasionally when a, um, someone who's not like that comes along, they gem- they quite quickly become my favourite, the quiet ones. So... I uh, but I didn't I never watched it regularly enough when he was in his peak to to have a, a real opinion because I just didn't see enough of him I didn't see the fights I just saw him in yeah. the news heard him in the news I think it was the closest thing to like WWE in real life <laughs> you know <laughs> he kind of had so much bravado and the promos and stuff and he kind of because he was on a media tour with Jose Aldo he was just kind of following him around bullying him <laughs> it's, it's awful really like and there's a, a scene um where they're both in different rooms and but jose aldo's belt is in the room that conor mcgregor's in held by someone and he goes oh can i have a feel of that because that'll be mine soon like ha 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 and the woman gives it to conor mcgregor and he puts it on his shoulder and then walks over to the window where jose aldo is and uh, jose aldo's a bit like ha ha right yeah <laughs> that's funny uh, um in your dreams you'll be having that belt ha 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 and conor mcgregor just looks at him plainly and says come and get it come and get it and jose aldo you can see him just go oh for fuck's sake like you're still going on with this like yeah, yeah. and then conor mcgregor's following him around just shouting uh, pussy in portuguese at him <laughs> Like it's it's horrible, but they were going on like Conor McGregor went to that uh, press conference and he said that like if uh, if if there was a different time, I would uh, invade your favela on horseback and I would kill anyone not fit to work. That's what he said in Brazil about Jose Aldo. Uh, Jose Aldo came to Dublin and said, "Why do you all live here? It rains." Yeah, <laughs> hasn't got quite the same. No. Sort of, uh, he was just so out of his depth. He was just a very good fighter that didn't really. That's what. That's all he wanted to do. And then he was thrown into this world of like of promos because of Conor, Conor McGregor. And he was just out of his depth. And that's you know he was one of the best pound for pound fighters of all time. And he lost in fourteen seconds because this bloke was a better talker. It's mental, isn't it? Yeah. Conor McGregor sounds a bit like Wolf out of Gladiators. <laughs> yeah. I think he'd make an amazing Gladiator. They, oh, they, yeah. keep, they keep talking about Conor McGregor going into WWE, but now. I've stopped watching it. That was a tough day. I've stopped watching wrestling. Maybe he will go into it and I can start watching it again. That was quite a recent thing, wasn't it, Russ? From the last WrestleMania, so what, probably two months ago. I quit, cold my, turkey. I, I quit the fantasy league. <laughs> so you get points for like, if your wrestler wins and stuff. Oh, it's embarrassing. But yeah, I've started selling my figures. I've just thought this is not for me anymore. I think it's time for someone else to appreciate these things. When we used to watch the sort of UFC and the other versions of it. I went to watch one called Cage Rage at Wembley Arena. I think oh, right. uh, when we used to watch the proper UFC in the in the pub after hours, old Joe always used to do that thing where this won't come as any surprise to you. You know that thing that people do where, like when the Olympics are on and you start watching events. Yeah, you become an expert of yeah, yeah, you 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 start going, oh he's 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 messed that up. 
Yeah, his, <laughs> his legs moved. Like yeah. 20 minutes. Joe was like the king of that with the fighting. He would he would pick who he fancied at the start by the colour of their shorts. <laughs> and as the fight went on, he would change. He, he either forgot himself or he thought that you wouldn't remember. So he'd claim that he picked the one that won. And all the way through, he'd say, oh, he's, he's fucked now. <laughs> <laughs> like if someone, if someone fell on the floor he'd, he'd be like right that's it that's over and then they'd reverse it and get back up on their feet and he's going oh told you clever boy <laughs> <laughs> you just end up like completely baffled like i have no idea who you're who you're who you're tipping anymore have we ever told you any old joe stories boys here i must have done at some point i'm trying to think who, who you're talking about actually. Uh, so old joe was i don't know how old was he when we lived together me you and old joe the age that always pops into my head when yeah. I think of Joe, when I used to say to people, he's that old. Yeah. He's 67, 68. Yeah. But that's we, 10 years ago. So we live with him, but he'd always be downstairs in the pub anyway. So it wasn't like we were, you know, like have a communal area because he would just be drinking Strongbow and Orange for his whole life. And uh, <laughs> do you remember, remember he went to the football club? He took his mobile phone and then it wasn't until he was at the football club that he realized that he'd taken the Sky Remote from. Yeah. <laughs> So we, whatever we were in the oak, we just had to watch what was on the telly. Oh, yeah. nightmare. I think I remember a time where he, walking, he was walking from the football club back to the oak and he fell over in the road on the roundabout. Yeah. And then this old couple pulled over to help him out and he told both of them quite, without no problem <laughs> circumstance to fuck off. <laughs> he was very um, happy in the road. <laughs> there was a time as well when we had the, um, the Australian travellers that were kind of travelling around the UK and working to fund their trip who ended up working at the oak when i think they'd signed on to an agency to sort of work in some you know fashionable Lon- london bars and, <laughs> yeah. the oak. and um they lived in in the rooms upstairs and <clears throat> tony who lived there for quite a while lived in the little like box room one night was trying to get to sleep and <laughs> just bang at his window and old joe had forgotten his key and had climbed <laughs> up onto the roof of the pub and then was climbing through um, Tony's bedroom window to get back into the pub so he could go back downstairs. That Tony must have just been thinking, "What? This is not what I." <laughs> yeah, yeah. you think it's like the beginning. Not sign up to this. You think it was the beginning of a Christmas Carol, Joe at your window. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's an amazing man, and um, I think he needed an NHS number or something, so he contacted the doctors, and they were like, "No, you're actually." dead like because he hadn't been on any list for so long just doing everything himself they went no you're technically dead (laughs) he was dead yeah but um, i asked about him last week and he's still going strong in welling garden so uh, fair play old joe will obviously never listen to this so uh, god bless you joe that's the end of part one please join us next week for part two with more daniel boyce Please subscribe to us at youtubereviewpodcast.blogspot.com or see us on Twitter at RockleRussell1.